0: I'm Kevin Richard. Well, a long explanation for the cheesy inside jokes you'll hear in this week's podcast. Back several years ago, Clark Corbin and I launched a podcast here at Idaho Education News. We called it Extra Credit. Some of you may remember it. Some of you may have actually listened to it once or twice. Clark left about a year and a half ago, as you know, to launch the Idaho Capital Sun, to join in the launch of Idaho Capital Sun. And when he left, this podcast became a solo effort. And uh, the iTunes community hated it. Well, eh, that's an overstatement. And one iTunes commenter didn't like it and and, and said so on, on iTunes. And I was kind of blown away that I actually get iTunes comments on like a band or something. The commenter, whose, whose name, according to iTunes, is mother of brats, has since come around and is now a fan of the podcast and has now given us five stars. So that's that's cool and I appreciate uh, sticking with us and listening to this podcast in its new iteration and giving us a chance to uh, to get it together. But it's something that Clark and I love to joke about and it's something that we, um, we, we love to revisit every time I have him on the podcast which I do every once in a while, and this week I really did want to have him in because a lot of news uh, that I wanted to talk about with Clark. Record-setting budget surplus and a wild Republican Party convention in Twin Falls last weekend. Both have real implications for the next round of the legislature, the next legislative session, which is going to be here, believe it or not, in less than six months. Here's my conversation with Clark Corbin, Idaho Capital Sun well clark always good to have you back here it's always good to give our uh, itunes ratings a little boost by having you back on the podcast but also a lot to catch up on i mean we've been writing about uh, the surplus uh we've been watching the developments out of the republican convention i wanted to talk to you about both let's start with the surplus i mean you wrote about it a couple of weeks ago Uh, put it into a big picture Uh, what we're looking at money-wise, dollar-wise, and how this yeah. sets the stage for the session.
1: Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Always fun to, to be back and excited to come back on the pod with you. But when we talk about the surplus, I think big picture, we're really going to need a big picture because we're talking again uh, about another uh, new record for largest state budget surplus in Idaho history. Idaho, just a quick reminder, I think a lot of podcast listeners will remember this, but Idaho runs on a fiscal year calendar every year. You can think of it kind of like a budget year calendar, but it goes from July 1 to June 30th every year. So the 2022 fiscal year just wrapped up and we're just beginning the 2023 fiscal year. Which is why
0: mid-s- mid-summer we're talking about a surplus. Yep, that's why we're talking about six months down the road.
1: budget numbers and, and, and so forth and so on. Uh, I was talking with Alex Adams from the Division of Financial Management this week. That's the state's budget shop. Uh, the fiscal year ended June 30th. They were projecting... That last week of June, when I talked to Alex, $1.3 billion, billion with a B, yep. uh, dollars for the latest projections for the surplus. We may know by next week what the actual number is. It's going to be very close to that, but there's just some year-end accounting stuff and closing the books and fund transfers and all kinds big, of... Uh,
0: and record big, because this is by far... Higher than the surplus even a
1: year ago. Yeah, I, I think we were looking at, uh, I want to say almost $900 million uh, a year ago for the what was the record surplus at that time, a year ago. Now that's increased to $1.3 billion. So largest surplus in state history. These are all state dollars we're talking about. We're talking about the state budget. I know when you talk to budget officials and JFAC members, they'll talk about a lot of reasons why we may have a surplus and things that go into it. But everything here that we're talking about is $1.3 billion dollars is state money. The reason Uh, that we have the surplus. The simple reason is because revenues exceeded expectations. But if you look at actual performance, actual revenues, and when we talk about revenues, we're talking about tax collections. Sales
0: tax, income tax mostly.
1: Yep. uh, Income tax, personal income tax, sales tax are are the biggies. We talk about the three-legged stool, but uh, all of those numbers were up. They were up from the year before and they were up over projections. And so uh, the state of Idaho, I I think the lead I used was uh, swimming in an of cash. But it's been amazing thinking back to when I was starting with Idaho Education News, we were talking about whole entire state budgets were in the $2 billion range. And then that passed to $3 billion and $4 billion, $5 billion. I think we had $6 billion of revenue last year, which is just incredible that the growth that the state uh, has seen. Um, But yeah, it beat projections, tax collections, are up and so that's why we have the surplus, but it's gonna be interesting uh, because there's demand for this surplus and there's gonna be pressure and and it's gonna be decided uh, with our governor and legislature uh, beginning in in January uh, when the session convenes. Um,
0: And that's where I wanted to get get you into the podcast this week to talk about the surplus because you'll look at it more holistically than, than I will as an education writer the competing pressures, whether we're talking about tax relief or the retirement infrastructure, education, obviously part of that equation. I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, tension over where that 1.3 billion should go or how much of that 1.3 billion should we spend or send back in terms of tax relief.
1: The budget process is gonna be really interesting during the next legislative session, especially with all the new JFAC members. But yeah, there's gonna be a lot of a lot of debate over what to do for this surplus when i was talking with alex adams at dfm he talked about how last year could be kind of a blueprint of what we followed so Quick refresher on the last year's legislative session, we saw the record tax cut right out of the gate. $600 million, give or take, uh, in the first week of January 2022. I I do expect uh, the governor, uh, if Governor Little is re-elected in November, and the legislature will push for another round of tax cuts with this surplus. Uh, Talking with Alex, he said if Governor Little is re-elected, education would be another... Uh, priority, make investments in education, uh, focus on the literacy initiative, focus on uh, reading and literacy rates for students, particularly in grades kindergarten through third grade. Uh, also, infrastructure is, is going to be on the table. That could mean things like highway projects, that could mean things like resurfacing roads, that could mean addressing bridges that are uh, out of code or out of date or beyond their expected uh, useful life term. And so, I think those will be some of the big. Uh, Pressures, education, push for tax cuts, maybe multiple tax cuts, uh, and then uh, infrastructure investments. Beyond that, we know it's a conservative legislature. We know that they're going to treat a surplus as a one-time event, even though we're having record surplus year after year, they're going to treat it as a one-time event, as opposed to like an appropriation with an ongoing funding commitment every year. So we may see Uh, more of a push to put some of that in savings. I think we're going to see a push to limit spending even with a surplus because conservative legislators and budget officials will talk about the likelihood of a possible recession down the the road when we talk about uh, the inflation that Idahoans are, are are feeling, and the difficulty that Idahoans have uh, paying their rent and paying their mortgages as the cost of living increases, uh, the cost of gas that everybody is 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 um, sure. is, is feeling, and so there there will be um, more and more talk from from Republican legislators about a need to be caution about the likelihood of will we see a recession uh, in the next two months? Interest rates are increasing, all those things could tie into it, but uh, in terms of investments, it, it does look like if he's a re-elected, Governor Little will push to protect some of that money for our K-12 public education system, as we've seen throughout his first term. Right,
0: and you you kind of hit on the thing that really strikes me interesting, even more interesting than usual that uh, this budget situation, is how much uncertainty surrounds this budget cycle even with 1.3 billion, give or take, whatever the final number turns out to be, even with all that money in the bank, you've got so many unanswered questions. I mean, what is really the state of the economy? Is the national economy heading towards a possible recession? How is inflation affecting everyday Idahoans? Well, we know it is, but to to what extent does that have bigger economic implications? What happens with the reclaim initiative? What happens with, all of this turnover in in JFAC and all of this turnover in the education committees, all of this turnover on the tax committees as well. I mean, so much we don't know about what this is gonna look like in January. Yeah, absolutely. I
1: think a lot of uncertainty, it's gonna be a big, debate during the 2023 session, but uh, we've talked and we've mentioned it, but uh, the Joint Budget Committee, JFAC, the the committee that meets every morning uh, to set the state budget, uh, I I think, is it 14 members maybe you are turning? 11. 11 at a minimum uh, of 20 members, including like chairs and co-chairs, but that's a powerful committee that in the past has relied on experience, which is really going to be shaken up with, like you said, at a minimum of 11 members pending what happens in november uh, being new on that committee new speaker of the house uh, and a new speaker of the house could lead to additional new members of house leadership on down the the chain of command so to speak depending on what happens in those races
0: because both of the tax committee chairs are gone one retired one lost in the primary
1: a new senate education committee chair if i'm not mistaken all kinds of of key all kinds of key new legislators uh, Who are going to have a lot of ideas about about what should be done? But I imagine it may take JFAC a little bit to get organized and get geared up. We may not see um, we may not see a, a big push to uh, uh, to deal with the budget surplus right away in the first couple of weeks of the session because it may take a few more weeks uh, to get organized and to have JFAC uh, get its feet under itself and figure out where they want to go. But so much unpredictability with the new faces. That we know we will see around the state house come January, based on what we already know.
0: And what struck me as I wrote about the surplus uh, a couple of weeks ago, last week, and talked to education stakeholders, education lobbyists about what their expectations uh, are for the surplus. Everybody talked to a varying degree about trying to put some of the surplus money into school infrastructure, trying to put this into, you know, helping, you know helping schools, helping school districts replace aging buildings, uh, build new schools to deal with growth, with kind of the the view towards the fact that this is a one-time surplus, that there's going to be some skittishness in the legislature about putting surplus dollars into ongoing programs. But, you know, and I both know, because we've written about this and we've been there for years, uh, covering the legislature. This is, a, this is a legislature that's been very reluctant to commit state dollars into local school buildings, leaving that uh, to local taxpayers to sort out. So, it'd be interesting to see how, how much traction this gets at the State House, because this would set precedent.
1: Absolutely, and I mean, you talk about, I've, I've seen Idaho Education News has written about some of the bond issues uh, mm-hmm. that have been proposed. We talk about facilities needs, talk about uh, our school facilities getting older. A
0: $250 million bond issue being floated in Idaho Falls, which is the biggest that we can that we can find in recent numbers.
1: Absolutely. And Idaho, depending on what numbers you look at, has been like maybe the second fastest growing state uh, in the country over the last 10 years. We see that growth in, in Southwest Idaho, in the Treasure Valley, in the Boise area. We also see that growth in Eastern Idaho, uh, where the areas of the Idaho Falls and the Bonneville school districts are. And so growth is occurring around the state. Our, our, our facilities and buildings are getting older. We've got more people coming in Every day, class sizes have been a concern that educators and parents have been talking about uh, for years. It is interesting, like he talked about, the reluctance to put money into local school facilities. One thing the legislature did last year with the surplus was pay down some overall state buildings I'm not talking about school buildings I'm not talking about local facilities Uh, but they took care of some maintenance and they paid down some debt on some state-owned buildings uh, last year that could be something that could be looked at a one-time expense. Some infrastructure-type uh, investments um, potentially on the short term could be uh, something that some legislators push for when we talk about that surplus, but it would be an interesting precedent. There's been reluctance to go that way. In the past, but we do know there's a lot of pressure on property taxes that homeowners are paying all across the state. We know that the state is growing. Uh, we know we have what 300,000 some students in our public education system, about 300,000 mm-hmm. students, and and many of those facilities are are older, and, and so there's going to be a lot of demand, a lot of competition, a lot of ideas for what to do yeah. uh, with that money. Yeah, it not feel
0: like you know we talked about Idaho Falls in the 250 million. It doesn't feel like that's in a vacuum, because up in Coeur d'Alene, it's a planned facilities levy, but it's an eighty million dollar levy that they're pushing for next month to to do building maintenance. That's a pretty large levy, and it feels like it's probably only a matter of time before we're talking about another bond issue in Westgate sure. or you know bond issues in some of these other fast growing communities. Absolutely, so, yeah, you know, definitely. This this is going to be an interesting debate to watch to see if uh, the legislature has any interest in going down this road. Yeah, another variable, another you know, foreshadowing of what the twenty-three legislature might look like came last weekend with the with the Republican convention in Twin Falls. A lot to digest. From that
1: convention. Absolutely. I've covered conventions in the past. I've covered Republican conventions in the past. This year, my turn was for the Democratic convention, which was earlier in the summer in June. Uh, But my colleague, Kelsey Mosley-Morris, went down to Twin Falls, Mm -hmm. covered the Republican convention last Thursday, Friday, and Saturday.
0: Uh,
1: Uh, Yeah, so I was able to kind of watch from afar and, and, and read her coverage and talk to her about what she saw. And reported, But this is interesting. We can talk about some changes, a big change in party leadership. But, um, yeah, the, you can think of the convention as sort of setting the tone heading into the November elections and then certainly heading into this 2023 legislative session. But conventions, you can kind of think of. They're a very political uh, activity. It's about getting several hundred delegates down. Uh, they talk about the party platform. They talk about resolutions and and proposals. But it's basically kind of hashing out where the party stands, uh, what its positions are. And then there's sort of this idea of uniting people heading into the elections. Uh, but we still see a lot of debate and disagreement and uh weirdness at, at, at conventions uh and and so we can kind of get into that i don't know if you want to talk with some of the education discussions or if you want to talk about leadership chairs or all of the above but a, a lot went down in twin falls
0: yeah i mean let's start with the leadership changes because i think it does tie into some of the policy proposals that came on some of the platforms that, that came out i mean this convention if nothing else it gives you a pulse of where rank and file Republican activists are right now and where they want to see the party go and where they want to see uh, state policy go. I mean, the fact that, you know, Tom Luna, who, you know, 10 years ago, Tom Luna was one of the most polarizing figures in state politics, that Tom Luna was considered too mainstream and the change agent that Republican delegates wanted as chair is Dorothy Moon, who just came off of an unsuccessful campaign for Secretary of State. Now, obviously, the delegates wanted a shift to to the right in, in leadership, and that translates into some of the policies that they baked into the platform.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the leadership... Uh, Election and some of the policy discussions and some of the resolutions that passed are an indication that the delegates pushed the party uh, to the right at the convention in Twin Falls. Representative Dorothy Moon, someone that's probably going to be familiar, uh, served on the uh, Idaho House Education Committee, pardon me, in the Idaho legislature. I covered her for years. Uh, She did run unsuccessfully uh, for secretary of state. Uh, in the primary, was defeated in a, in a three-person race there, and then comes back, what, barely eight weeks later and wins party chairmanship from Tom Luna, who, like you said, was kind of the mainstream uh, Republican uh, incumbent chair at that point. And, and Dorothy Moon is someone who has Uh, part of the far right. Uh, She's aligned herself with the Idaho Freedom Foundation. She was a defender of former state representative Aaron Von Ellinger, who was Mm -hmm. convicted of rape. She was a vocal defender of former representative Von Ellinger. Uh, She made public comments in debates leading up to the primary election, saying she did not believe the 2020 presidential election results that showed that Joe Biden defeated former president, Donald J. Trump. She said she didn't believe those, despite the fact that there have been numerous lawsuits, recounts, certifications, challenges, all of which showed uh, that President Biden was lawfully and, and, and correctly er, uh, elected. So it, it's a push to it's a push to the right,
0: uh, at least the education at the, the space. Moon was one of the co-sponsors of a private scholarship bill, private school scholarship bill that uh, didn't get out of the House Education Committee. But you saw that language incorporated in the education platform that uh, that passed out of this convention. So that foreshadows that uh, the debate over education savings accounts, private school scholarships is is far from over.
1: Yeah. And and we talked about the leadership election, the the party chair election, but education and... This debate over privatizing education were big parts of of the convention. Uh, Just to give Kelsey a a, a shout-out, she had a good story about uh, Blaine Gonzati from the Idaho Family Policy Center, I believe is the name of the organization. That's a group that has really been active the past two legislative sessions, writing uh, legislation about abortion, passing abortion laws in the state of Idaho, passed a a law that would have given uh, family members the power to sue uh, the provider. Of an abortion, uh, that was one of the most recent ones that was passed, and he I was g- involved
0: in that librarian bill.
1: Also involved in the librarian bill, and and Blaine gave a talk. I want to say Thursday night. Uh, I want to say mm-hmm. opening night of the convention, talking about this desire to privatize Idaho's public education system to eventually get to a point where our education system is church-run religious schools, uh, which seem to be uh, fairly well received at the convention, but it's something that uh, at this point still flies in the face of the Idaho Constitution and is kind of uh, goes against everything that the uh, governor and the legislatures have built up over the years in terms of our uh, education system. Again, we have a mandate in the state constitution to provide a system of uh, free, thorough, uh, common schools. And it's, it's I believe that's section one, article one, that's right off the top. It's right there. Uh, and, and that is one of the big responsibilities when it actually comes to state of Idaho and state government is our public education system. Like I mentioned earlier, serves about 300,000 thousand students, but, but Blaine and the Family Policy Center and some of the delegates at the convention are talking about this desire to privatize it, to have it be private Christian religious schools that are running our education system. Obviously, today that conflicts with a number of state laws and the Idaho Constitution, but I wonder just logistically, like, how would it even work what like specifically what churches are, are we talking about running our our school system here? How would those be selected? Who are the personnel who are, who are going to teach our classes? What are the facilities where we're going to house these three hundred thousand students and and bust them and serve them lunch? and We have all these federal requirements about what to do with education and and so there was a, one of a number of things from from the convention that I think needs more explanation. I'm not sure if it ever could work or how it would even work or or, or if they've thought beyond just sort of the idea of this concept. Um, but that would be a seismic shift in the way that education has always been handled right, in and the and state of Idaho. flying in the face, not just of
0: uh, Constitution, state precedent, flying in the face of what education stakeholder groups have been arguing uh, for years. They've been arguing against this kind of a move towards using public money uh, for for private education. We've talked
1: about the Blaine Amendment in the state constitution. And again, just a reminder, like when we talk about the Republican convention, these are just Republican delegates. And so none of the stuff that came out of the convention uh, is a law. Delegates can't write law. But we kind of see these things as maybe gearing up for what the party will push for when the legislative session does uh, convene. But also we've talked about our standard bearers in education, you mentioned the education groups and, and the policy groups uh, and, and the uh, organizations, but also our, our standard bearers in, in political office from Governor Little to the existing State Board of Education uh, to uh, to incumbent superintendent of public instruction, Sherry Yabara, who lost her primary. All of those people have... Um, invested in our existing public education system. Our public school system had tried to support that, have tried to increase funding, have have tried to uh, bolster our existing public education system. And so this would be a total 180. And again, we're just talking about the the whims and 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 uh, and, and preferences of some seven hundred Republican delegates, but it's interesting and because it what it may shift and because uh, of many of these Republicans who were just elected to office uh, may try to enact uh, some aspects of the party platform.
0: And it gives you a sense of where the energy may be coming from within the Republican Party and where the energy may be coming from uh, in in terms of who tries to wield power at the legislature. I mean, Blaine Kansadi's group is gonna be very, you know, gonna make a lot of noise in this next legislative session. We know from the past that they've been very active on abortion issues. This convention passed a, a restrictive abortion plank, uh, removing exemptions uh, to protect the, the life of the mother. It, I would expect that we'll see legislation in that direction, whether it passes or not, I don't know. And it's kind of outside of our lane, uh, as an education site, but it gives you a sense of where, where a lot of the debate could come, where this convention yeah. could affect the debate at the statehouse, uh, you know, the Consides group is obviously going to be in, involved with education topics. They've uh, hired. You know, they've,
1: yes. they've hired Brandon Durst, the former Democratic state senator who then uh, lost the Boise school board election and then most recently um, was unsuccessful running for. Superintendent of Public Instruction in the May 17th Republican
0: primary. But was very primary. successful in this convention in getting education policies uh, that he wants baked into that education platform that was approved. Yeah, absolutely. He had a definite voice was
1: that. Yeah, talking about Christian schools and privatizing education. And again, you know, that sounds like a position that Wayne Hoffman at the Idaho Freedom Foundation has taken for a number of years now, um, saying he doesn't believe that state government should be in the business of running schools. Well, as it just so happens, that's the foundation of our Idaho constitution. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting. And I and I do see uh, these education debates, uh, you know, depending especially on who the new chair is in the Senate Education no. Committee and, and maybe some of the membership of the House Education Committee. I do anticipate that uh, This will be talked about in the 2023 session and likely beyond because these types of changes would not, you know, no one's going to write one bill and, and transform the whole education system in a matter of days in the early part of the 2023 legislative session. These would be huge changes and these will be talked about for. A long time to come, and it'll be interesting to see. But I, like, I don't see like Brad Little, if he's reelected, signing that kind of bill into law. I don't see the state board of education working to implement that. And so there's there's still this tension, right, among uh, Republican officeholders and, and policymakers versus the uh, the delegates at the convention that are right. pushing for this very move to the right
0: right and that's always a source of tension to what extent do candidates and office holders embrace their their party's platform or or not embrace that party's platform because uh as candidates and office holders chart their own course they risk the the backlash from from delegates who say well this is what this is what we believe our party stands for and why did." Well, why does this candidate or office holder not embrace that? So We
1: see more of, of these discussions about these so called purity tests about remo- Republicans. We obviously know that Republicans have a closed primary in the state of Idaho and, and have now for years. Uh, During the convention, they pushed to tighten up voting in the primaries even further so that no one who has been affiliated with another party previously in X number of months, no one who has donated to another candidate from a different party in X number of months would be allowed to vote in the Republican primary. I don't know how that would work. It does sound like that would have to go to uh, Republican leadership uh, to kind of hammer that out. But I don't even know who would be responsible for enforcing that and going through reams of public records to decide if, if uh, you know, uh, John Doe had donated to, uh, to to some independent or Democrat within the last two years. I, I, I don't see how that would be um, enforceable or, or, or realistic. But again, talking about tightening things up, it was interesting because former Democratic State Senator Brandon Durst was one of the people behind that move right. to close off the Republican primaries to talk about this idea of crossover voting when, you know, uh, Brandon Durst is now running as a far-right Republican, but the last time he won office was a well, Democrat was a and he price. has since crossed over to the Republican Party. Um, so it's yeah. interesting.
0: No, it. there's, there's so much that's going to unfold between now and January, and this just gives us a, a flavor uh, of what to expect. So... I'll have to come just,
1: back yeah. and I'll have to come back in February or March and talk about how it's going.
0: Yeah, no, I think we'll definitely have to, if not sooner, uh, reconnect because, like I say, this, this always improves our, our lagging iTunes ratings and even if it doesn't, this is a really good conversation. Clark, always, always good to have you here.
1: Thanks, thanks for having me, and I hope Mother of Bratz had a good time listening today. It's always nice
0: to be back. Wherever you are, Mother of Bratz, this one was for you. Thanks, Clark. Again, that was Clark Corbin. Clark is a reporter with Idaho Capital Sun. And he is not legendary iTunes podcast commenter mother of brats, or is he? We have a lot of news at idahoednews.org this week. So if you've not been checking out the website daily, you've been missing a lot of good stuff. And I wanna give a shout out to our two new reporters, Carly Flandro and Sadie Dittenberg, who are doing some great work. Carly has a, a really good story about the SAT and the ACT and how those college entrance exams have fallen out of favor. She talks to students, she talks to parents, she talks to uh, colleges and universities around the state, and with vendors who try to provide services to college-bound students who want to uh, study up for the uh, college placement exams. Really good story, definitely worth looking at. She also has a story out of the Twin Falls School District. Twin Falls added armed security guards for the upcoming school year, a response to the Evalde Texas school shootings. She takes an in-depth look at what that means. For schools in Twin Falls. Sadie has a really good feature on Elevate Academy. That's a charter school in Caldwell. She spent some time out there and gives us a sense of Elevate's secret to success. She's also been keeping tabs on the Boise School Board elections. We had a few candidates drop out of the race already. And she has the latest on what's happening at the State Department of Education, what's happening in the transition as State Superintendent Sherry Ibarra's term ends uh, at the end of the year, and a new superintendent comes into office, whoever that is, whether that's Debbie Critchfield or Terry Gilbert. What's happening in the transition at the State Department of Education? Sadie has the latest on that, and she'll keep an eye on that in the months to come. I'm still writing too, and I've got a story that I wrote on Thursday looking at what happened at that Republican convention and taking a deep dive into the education platform. and. Also took a closer look at Online Idaho. This is a uh, portal that the State Board of Education has been putting together to try to allow students, college students, to take classes remotely and kind of cross-register from one uh, college to the next. We're $6 million into this in terms of federal funding. I take a look at where the project stands and what's going to happen in the months to come. That is all at idahoednews.org. And keep an eye on us. Next week, keep an eye on us on a daily basis. We'll have the latest on education policy and education politics. Again, idahoednews.org. Follow us on Twitter at idahoednews. We tweet out links to our latest stories and bulletins on any breaking news. Follow us on Facebook. Comment on our stories there. If you don't already, subscribe to our weekly newsletter. We only send one out every week, but it gives you the rundown of what we have. Do uh, sign up for that newsletter. You can sign up for that through our homepage. And come back next week for another edition of the podcast. I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week.